Cresta in the Afternoon is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Broadcasting from the studios of Ave Maria Radio in Ann Arbor, Michigan, Al Cresta is ready for conversations of consequence. This is Cresta in the Afternoon. And good afternoon to you. I'm Al Cresta. We've got another hour talking about the things that matter most. And joining us in this hour will be Dr. Robert Festigi. He and um, Dr. Matthew Levering have co-edited a new volume called Humanae Vitae in Catholic Sexual Morality. Now, this this is a collection of papers that uh, were given uh, in, well, December 8th through 10th, uh, 2022, where a group of scholars gathered in Rome to take part in a conference uh, titled A Response to the Pontifical Academy of Life's publication, uh, again, dealing with theological ethics. Uh, in English, it's called Theological Ethics of Life, Support, Tradition, Practical Challenges. Um, why was it necessary to respond to this publication, Theological Ethics of Life, Scripture, Tradition, Practical Challenges? Well, um, because there were uh, issues in that book that uh, went in directions that seemed not in keeping with the historic teaching of the Church. And so we're going to take some time with Dr. Festigi today to go over the issues here, going back again to the um, uh, original publication of Theological Ethics of Life, um, edited by Archbishop Vincenzo Paglia, uh, and then the response to it, uh, that took place in December of 2022. And this is going to be, this is a, let me tell you, this area of moral theology uh, is is a hotbed uh, of discussion. It's the 1960s and 70s. It was an area of great uh, controversy. And uh, through the pontificates of John Paul II and Benedict XVI, um, it looked as though the controversy had been quieted, at least. But with the pontificate of Pope Francis, uh, we've seen people come out of the woodwork, so to speak, and challenge again some of our most clearly reasoned and deeply held uh, principles of moral theology. We'll go over that with Dr. Festigi. Right now, though, we get to the news headlines with Steve Clark. Thanks, Al. Good afternoon, everyone. This is your Ave Maria Radio News for Tuesday, February 27th. It's the Feast of St. Gregory of Narek, Doctor of the Church. Today's news is brought to you by Ave Maria University. Your vocation location is at AveMaria.edu. Michigan is holding its presidential primary. Republicans and Democrats going to the polls in the battleground state, which holds the final major contest before Super Tuesday. While former President Trump is expected to win Michigan, Nikki Haley has vowed to stay in the race, claiming that most Americans disapprove of both Trump and President Biden. Meanwhile, there's an effort to get Arab Democratic voters in Michigan to withhold their support of Biden over his handling of the Israel-Hamas war. 
Funding to fight the border surge and aid to Ukraine are major stumbling blocks to stop the partial government shutdown in four days. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Ukraine was one of the most intense I have ever encountered in my many meetings in the Oval Office. Meanwhile, House Speaker Mike Johnson said securing the border is the number one concern among Republicans, and it takes precedent over any spending bills involving Ukraine or Israel. The first priority of the country is our border and making sure it's secure. I, I believe the president can take executive authority right now today to change that. And I told him that again today in person, as, I, as I've said to him many times. With no measure to fund the government or extend current funding levels, a partial shutdown would start Saturday at midnight Eastern. It would impact the Department of Veteran Affairs and the FDA. The Midwest is bracing for stormy weather. The National Weather Service says major cities in the Midwest could be impacted into the overnight hours with severe storms that could bring isolated tornado threats, damaging winds, and large hail. And Wendy's is testing surge pricing similar to the way Uber prices its rides. Known as dynamic testing, the practice changes prices of items throughout the day. Testing is scheduled for 2025. From your AveMariaRadio.net news desk, I'm Steve Clark. Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. In June of 2022, a group of theologians met at the Pontifical Academy for Life to discuss how traditional Catholic sexual moral teachings are applied in the modern world. They propose questions, which is what theologians do, uh, and they think on these things. And um, some, some of those uh, contributing at this conference came up with the idea that we are in, in time, we're in a moment of radical paradigm change in moral theology, and they're calling into question some church teachings, uh, whether or not they are infallible. Now, there's been a response uh, to this uh, original group uh, that was called, the publication um, was called Theological Ethics uh, of Life, Scripture, Tradition, Practical Challenges. So that was, that was the volume that came out uh, as a result of this conference in June of 2022. But in December of 2022, another group of theologians took place to respond uh, to what had been uh, put forward. And those essays are available now in a volume called Humanae Vitae in Catholic Sexual Morality. It's a response to the Pontifical Academy of Life's uh, Theological Ethics. It was edited by, edited by Dr. Robert Vestigi and Dr. Matthew Levering. Uh, joining me today to go over this, you know, this controversy and to lay out for us uh, points of commonality and points of controversy is Dr. Robert Festigi. Uh, he is chair of Dogmatic Theology and Christology at Sacred Heart Major Seminary. He's done private research in Paris and Montreal and took part in a study tour of Saudi Arabia sponsored by the National Council for U.S.-Arab Relations. He has served as the executive editor of the 2009-2013 supplements to the New Catholic Encyclopedia and is the author of several books, including The Mystical Theology of the Catholic Reformation. And Robert, good to have you here again. Thank oh, you. Well, thank you, Al. It's a pleasure to be with you. Now, why don't you set this up for us? Uh, no. you're, much more from, you're much more acquainted with the initial conference and why it 
begged for a response. Yes, well, the 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 Pontifical Academy for Life had a had a conference, as you said, in June of 2022, and it it was published. The proceedings were published, and and it was uh, multilingual. I think the majority were in Italian, but okay. there were some in French, English, I think one in Spanish. Uh, thank God, none in German. That would be more <laughs> difficult for, for me to read. But I, I went through it. They're not all the, all the uh, essays are not all dissident or uh, right. creating problems. So I think we have to be fair. And I know yeah, some of absolutely. the authors and... And so it, it, it's what you call a mixed bag, yes. you know, that, and, and Archbishop Palia said, well, when people come together, certainly you're going to have different points of view and so on. This is what theologians do. Sure. But mm-hmm. of course, it was a base text or a foundational text, Testo Basse, and there were a few statements there that uh, raised some red flags, and, and I had noted them and, and so on. But of course... Uh, we know we owe so much to Professor Jane Adolph uh, yes. from Ave Maria yes, School of I, Law. I know Jane, and she somehow was able to pull t- this together. I I helped contact some authors and so on, and we prayed, and we thought, well, the ambiguous parts or the questionable parts need a response, and uh, we. She received funding, and we were mm. able to meet in Rome at a at a hotel in December of 2022. So it's not that long, right? Like six Same months year. afterwards. Yeah. And then we were able to recruit some re- really outstanding theologians. I mean, if you lo- look at the, the table of contents, uh, these are people who have been at the forefront of defending a uh, humani vitae mm-hmm. and traditional, uh, uh, let us say, a Catholic morality. And, uh, and so we had Monsignor Livio Malina and, uh, uh, Monsignor Piotr Mazukevich, Matthew Levering, Gregor Pupink, but uh, John Finnis. Yeah. You know, he was the one who worked uh, so much defending Humane Vitae, our own uh, Father Peter Ryan, S.J., yeah. uh, and Michal Waldstein, and uh, Father Jose Granados, uh, and also uh, Angela Franks, Paul Gondro, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a- a- Adrian Reimers, and Oana Gozia, who had taught for the John Paul II Institute in Rome. Now she's at Sacred Heart Major Seminary. She's from Romania, but fluent in multiple languages, including yeah. English. And and uh, we also recruited Teresa, Dr. Teresa Notare, who works uh, has worked for 30 years for the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, uh, Natural Family Planning okay. a, 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 um, a program. And Teresa Farnan, who works uh, with this person and identity uh, project, uh, uh, and it's connected with George Weigel and the uh, ethics and public policy. So the, we, we covered a lot it's of a, it's a great areas. Lineup, yeah, yeah, and 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 I mean there are a few others, and I, I couldn't mention, but somehow Jane thought it should begin on on um, on December eighth. <laughs> and we would consecrate okay. it to Our Lady. Okay. So, I, and and uh, I wrote the concept uh, note or the concept statement because we 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 didn't want to be confrontational. We yeah. because we wanted to be in a spirit of dialogue. Yeah. And this is what what, what we what we were meant to do. 
and so I mean that, that we were wonder we were very happy to have Teresa Notare because she's from the USCCB. Yes. And sometimes uh, you know people at the USCCB are sensitive; <laughs> they don't want to uh, seem to be oppositional. Right. But right. That was not our idea. We yeah. what we were concerned about mostly is uh, is there a question of under uh, uh, is is humane vitae now up for grabs or, or so to speak questioning it so so and that would you say that was the the central problem that you saw in this document uh, well there's a there's a there's a few questions and in the introduction matthew and i try to lay them out i mean what what do we mean by this new paradigm and and, and actually that that re, that is in uh that is used by pope francis um in his apostolic constitution for the uh, Veritatis Gaudium, which he seems to indicate it's a change in educational orientation in light of cultural changes. Yeah. So that, that, in other words, theology just can't be self-referential. It has to try to, in an evangelical way, reach out, and this is the new paradigm. But uh, some have interpreted the new paradigm as uh, questioning moral norms. Yeah. So okay. we wanted to to investigate that. And then also about humane vitae, because there is in the, the, the testo base, or the foundational text, base text. You know, if you base text is accurate, but then it seems like it's base. You know? <laughs> so, but, uh, so I translated it foundational. Okay. But, uh, but it, it says, you know, the norm of humane vitae always refers to a good that precedes and exceeds it, which is true. But then it seems to imply, and in, in Michael Waldstein's uh, uh, response was, was, was very much concerned with this, it seems to say whatever is chosen, you have to maintain uh, the respect, uh, to avoid the contraceptive mentality. Well, that brings back memories yeah. of what, what people were saying, as you said, yeah. in the 1970s yeah. and, 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 and so on. And we went through that battle, um, but now it's a question of... Uh, 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 of whether or not these these, these matters are, are going to be reinvestigated. So then, uh, um, and then the question of intrinsically evil acts. Mm. Uh, yeah. is, there wasn't a great emphasis upon that, but of course that was one of the great themes of Veritatis Splendor. It, it, it was, yeah, and, which, and it was intended to yeah, settle uh, the issue, right? Uh, yeah, and I mean, I... I, in graduate school, I had met some of the people questioning that. I mean, Father Joseph Fuchs, yeah, I had yeah. met. He came over to give a lecture at Fordham a, University. A giant of last generation. Yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 and I had, a, he was a visiting professor at Fordham, Father Bernard Herring. Yep. So I, I know I know the mindset, yeah. but I his, thought through it. And his, I, his Law of Christ yeah, yeah, is it, one of those textbooks, yeah. three volumes. Uh, so again, he was another giant. Of last generation. That's that's right. And so, all we 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 selected and we were able to get the uh, papers given at this conference. Uh, Some were given remotely, uh, and then we we saw that there was a a a lack of a a good essay on scripture. So Father Jose Granados uh, was able to recruit a a a great Spanish uh, scripture scholar. Uh, Father Luis Sanchez Navarro, and he sent his essay in in, in Italian, but we we trans you know we had it tra- we translated it, uh, and uh, but it, it was a great honor to be part of this, uh, and uh, so uh, uh, 
the, we we've divided it our our book into four uh, I think four parts. Part one: foundational issues of dealing more with scripture and moral norms, and then doctrinal dimension. And uh, Dr. Fulvio Di Blasi had a very good article or, or chapter on uh, intrinsically evil acts. And then John Finnis and Peter Ryan talked about the infallibility of the church's teaching uh, against contraception. And some people say, well, it's it's changeable. It, it's authoritative, but open for change. But uh, there was that great article by Father Ford and Germain Griset, God rest his soul, both yeah. of them, yeah. uh, that, that this is really infallible by virtue of the ordinary universal magisterium. Yeah. And yeah. John Finnis pulled out something written by Father Karl Rahner early on, wow. which seemed to, uh, 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 which, which, which affirmed its, in, its, its definitive status. Wow. Uh, uh, wow. Uh, you know, before Humanae Vitae. Yeah, so, that's so, interesting. So then I, I dealt with the question of dissent. But then we had the anthropological dimension, and this is where there was like, when you separate a moral norm or an ideal from concrete acts, well, you know, we, we, are, we are embodied individuals. So, uh, you, you know, can you separate, you know, the norm from what is chosen, the concrete acts? And uh, so there, there were a number of essays on this, and the language of the body. Father Jose Granados did a wonderful essay. Uh, Paul uh, Gandro on the body matters. Uh, that there's sometimes a lack of. And, uh, yeah, we, Robert, we have to pause for a moment here. Go on to the uh, next segment. We got to take a break. Yeah, we'll pick it up in just a moment. Good, okay. Good. My guest, Dr. Robert Festigi, uh, again talking about important issues in moral theology. I'm Al Cresta. Christ is the answer with Father John Ricardo. Here's the new challenge. At least one hour a week in front of the Blessed Sacrament with the goal of an hour a day in front of the Blessed Sacrament. I had a guy come up to me and he says, Father, you know, I'm doing a lot of things. I'm, I'm in a men's fellowship. I pray with my wife every day. I go to Mass every Sunday and, and usually a couple times during the week. I read Scripture. He goes, I want more. I said, do you pray in front of the Blessed Sacrament? He said, outside of Mass, no. I said, I think that's the more. See, all these saints, these are the ones who surround us. These are the ones who ran before us. These are the ones who fought well, who kept the faith. They would tell you, as would every single saint in heaven right now, you cannot run this race if you don't spend time with the Master. Whatever else we're doing, it's second, third, and fourth. First things need to be first. And the first thing is to be with the Master. And the Master is Jesus. Connection with Teresa Tomio. So many people call themselves Christian, call themselves Catholic, call themselves evangelical, whatever, and they're nothing more than members of the church of what's happening now, as Flip Wilson used to say. You want direction, you want guidance, go to the source. Go to Jesus, go to Scripture, go to the church teachings. Not to Whoopi Goldberg, not to, and we pray for her but Nancy Pelosi's version of Catholicism or Joe Biden's version of Catholicism or any other politician that holds fast to their quote-unquote Catholic faith, yet consistently, consistently and blatantly not just speaks against the church, but acts against the church. 
we need to pray for these people and we need to encourage bishops to stand up for the truth and not be afraid. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Cresta in the Afternoon is underwritten by the following nonprofit organization. Real Estate for Life. Buying or selling your home or business property? Real Estate for Life can connect you with one of 1,400 pro-life real estate agents around the world. When Real Estate for Life receives a referral fee, they donate 70% to Ave Maria Radio and Human Life International. More information at realestateforlife.org or 877-LIFE-US1. That's realestateforlife.org. The Catechism defines evangelization as the proclamation of Christ and His gospel by word and the testimony of life in fulfillment of Christ's command. But what does that look like in real life? It looks like the St. Paul Evangelization volunteers out on the street, sharing the good news with people in a non-confrontational way, handing out free sacramentals, listening to them, praying for them, teaching them, planting seeds, and letting the Holy Spirit make them grow. Visit StreetEvangelization.com and learn more so you can get involved in real-life evangelization. The following program is brought to you in part by MyCatholicWill.com. Surveys show that more than half of Americans do not have a will. At MyCatholicWill.com, it takes as little as 15 minutes to write your will and secure a legacy of faith. MyCatholicWill.com is the exclusive online destination for creating a Catholic will. The process of writing a will is simple and now more accessible than ever. MyCatholicWill.com, a legacy of faith for those you love. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, Dr. Robert Festigi. We are looking over some uh, debates in the field of moral theology, uh, one of them dealing with uh, whether, the, in fact, there can be intrinsic, uh, intrinsically evil acts. Uh, another one has to do with uh, humanae vitae. Is it, uh, is, is it infallible? Um, and in one, one area which... Uh, I think it's probably puzzling to many people, and that is whether um, there can there are any um, concrete moral norms uh, that, if violated, uh, are evil. And you wanted to, Robert, you wanted to point out that uh, uh, Dr. Waldstein. Oh. Really did something uh, unusual here, yeah. in that in his essay on humanae vitae and the unity of the human person, he actually took this text and kind of turned tables on it. Well, yes, it was it was quite remarkable, and he had alerted 
me that he was going to do this, and he actually contrasted the foundational text of the Testo Basse with what Pope Francis says. But it's on, on page 224 of the book where he has the translation of the first part of the what he translates accurately, it could be, uh, the base text, um, and where it says, this is in the, the uh, uh, Theological Ethics of Life, uh, uh, one could understand the undeniable demand inscribed in the fundamental formulas expressed by human, Humanae Vitae 10 to 14, the norm always po- points to a good that precedes and exceeds it. Its truth is not reducible to the literal statement, because while it designates a moral imperative, it symbolically attests and refers to the experience of a good that calls for being willed. The truth of the norm, also in Humanae Vitae, holds more aspects together. It points beyond literal observance of a law that would be purely physical, urging the spouses to bring the mystery of generation together with the response to this gift. Now, all of this sounds very good, but then he points to a, a, a subsequent part of the base text, 172. In the perspectives we have outlined, the alternative between, quote, natural and, quote, artificial methods is overcome at root. The question plays itself out in the concretely possible forms of generous and no less demanding responsibility with respect to the gift of generating. And so, uh, uh, Dr. Waldstein comments, the main question is not the alternative between natural and artificial in a general sense, but the alternative between performing a genital act with the intention of performing it according to its nature as a procreative act, or performing it with an opposite intention that changes the very nature of the moral act. Man and woman should mean what they say to each other by a procreative act. So I had picked this up, you know, even before the conference, you know, reading the, 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 the Testo Basse in Italian, and I said, this seems to be very clever, if, if I may say so. They affirm the norm and the value of humane vitae, but then as long as the value of, of humane vitae is, is, uh, is, is practiced or uh, observed, whether one chooses natural or artificial means. And so then, as a stroke of genius... Um, <laughs> Professor Waldstein quotes from Pope Francis in Amoris Laetitia 80. And this is what Pope Francis says. The child who is born does not come from outside. This is Pope Francis. From outside is something added on to the natural love of the spouses, but springs from the very heart of that mutual giving as its fruit and fulfillment. As the Catechism uh, number 2360 says, He or she does not appear at the end of a process, but is present from the beginning of love as an essential feature, one that cannot be denied without disfiguring that love itself. From the outset, love refuses every impulse to close in on itself. It is open to a fruitfulness that draws it beyond itself. Hence, no genital act of husband and wife can refuse this meaning. Wow. Humane Vitae, 11 through 12, Amoris Laetitia, number 80. And <laughs> Dr. Waldstein concludes, in agreement with the first section of Ethica Theologica, chapter uh, 7, Pope Francis fo- focuses on the full glory of a concrete hor- historical event, 
a sacramental event that expresses a final and definitive meaning in the covenant of procreative love between spouses. Mm. So we actually contrast what Pope Francis says in Amoris Laetitia with what the base text of uh, this uh, of this uh, uh, theological ethics of life says. Pope Francis is defending the the traditional tr- tr- teaching, yeah, yes, the teaching which, of humana vitae. Yes, so I remember one of the first discussions of Amoris Laetitia with Father Fessio and, and Mark Brumley. Uh, the one woman they had, I forget her name, she said she was rather surprised that Pope Francis came out so strongly uh, defending humana vitae. Right, you right. Know? No, but, but there was something else I wanted to discuss, and all, what, what, you know, Monsignor Molina and John Finnis and uh, Father Ryan, we were concerned about whether or not the infallibility of humane vitae is now being questioned. Because if a teaching is authoritative, but not definitive or infallible, it means it's subject to change. And here I I responded in my article about whether dissent on Catholic sexual morality is ever justified. And no, 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 before we yes. go there, let me just... Um, so, I think most most of my listeners would, you know, be affirming of uh, Humanae Vitae yeah. and probably receive it uh, as infallible. Uh, they probably don't think a lot about the, the moral reasoning that leads up to it, but they yeah. accept it as the Church teaches it. Um, and I, I think, they, they, uh, I, as I would, I find it strange that somebody would, on the one hand, affirm the the good uh, presented by Humanae Vitae, but then would go on to deny its concrete application. Yeah, yeah. That's weird to me. Yeah, no, it, it, there were a number of essays saying the separation of the moral teaching from concrete acts. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I, I experienced this when I was a graduate student at Fordham University. Yeah, you went it, through those years. Well, it was, sure, I was, I was <laughs> in, in, the, in the mid-70s, and, yeah. and I mean, I had Father Bernard Herring as a, yeah. as a professor. And, you know, they, they, they and Father Josef Fuchs came over to lecture, but you know, there's there's abstract, um, non-negotiable, uh, non-negotiable norms. You know, like do good, avoid evil. Yeah. You always must do what is most loving. You must never cause harm. And but when it comes to concrete acts, uh, he seemed to say, well, you always have to consider the the context, the circumstances, yeah. the situation, uh, the context. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that, and that, so the whole question of humane vitae was whether or not it was. Uh, something that was changeable. And of okay. course, when there was the so-called birth control commission, there were some cardinals, including Cardinal Dearden, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. Cardinal Sunins and others, they thought, well, this is maybe something that could change. Right. Right. But the language used if, uh, uh, by uh, Pius Eleventh in Casti Canubi mm-hmm. uh, that had been used in, you know, if you look at when onanism or contraceptive methods were always rejected right. as against uh, nature, against God. I mean, it, 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 it occurred to... And that wasn't simply a Catholic rejection. Either. No, it was, it, was, it was universal yeah. until the Lambeth Conference of 1930. Yeah. So that's why Pius XI came out so strongly... With Casti Canubi. Uh, Casti yeah. Canubi in yeah. December of 1930. So this is, it, but but now it's gone. You know, the, it's because I think the the um, 
the Monsignor who presented you Mane Vite said, well, it's not infallible. You know, and that that then then the news media spun yeah, that, yeah, and yeah. there was a whole question of the theology uh, of of licit dissent, and even yes. the U.S. bishops in their their otherwise very good pastoral letter, Human Life in Our Day, nineteen sixty eight, actually said there could be licit dissent, mm-hmm. but I think they by licit dissent they meant private dissent, right, and so Not- then. And, and so the, this question of dissent and could there be uh, faithful dissent and so on, this was spinning around, and I think it was answered by Donum Veritatis, or the Ecclesial Vocation of a Theologian, 1990, by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, where public dissent is just ruled out. It's right. considered a problem. I mean, private dissent is may be simply an, an act of learning, yeah, uh, where you start out by saying, uh, uh, "I don't get it," you know, I'm no, not sure what's going on here. It, it, it's, uh, it's 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 better phrase rather than dissent as an inability, a private in, inability, or uh, to give assent. Yes, okay. but then there's the responsibility of studying the matter, being yes. open more, and one could communicate one's difficulties, but always with the desire to resolve them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, now there's all. People on the left and the right, you know, they just throw bombs out there. You know, this is, you know, wrong. This is like Father Curran, you know, at a press conference said, this teaching is wrong. Yeah. So, I mean, and he was like 35, 36 at the time. He was a... He was still a Catholic U then? He was a Catholic U. And it took from 68 until 1986, you know, for the the church really to address the problem. But he was kept appealing to the U.S. bishop statement on licit dissent. Mm. But uh, Cardinal Ratzinger did not want to contradict the bishops. But I think he was planning, we have to come out with a... A clearer statement on this, and that's what the, yeah, yeah. The, this one on uh, the Donum, task of the theologian. Yeah, the yeah. Donum Veritatis, yeah. nineteen nine, wonderful document. But you know, in in my essay, I was trying to deal with the question of dissent uh, in this book, and I go through the Father Curran case and so on. Yeah. But 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 there was a there was an interview with uh, this member of the Pontifical mm-hmm. Academy for Life, Father Maurizio Chiodi. And he said, this is a quote, it is a common opinion among theologians that the ecclesial magisterium has not spoken on moral issues in an, in an infallible way so far. Although, of course, that does not exclude that it may do so in the future. Now, uh, uh, hold it there. We've got to take a break right now. Yeah. But, so hold it there. It will come back and pick it up. Yeah. Uh, it's, an, it's an unusual statement. Oh, yeah. I, I've not heard that before. Well, <laughs> I looked at the Italian text as well. I mean, that's what he said. All right. My guest is Dr. Robert Festigi of Sacred Heart Major Seminary. He's a contributor and editor of Humanae Vitae and Catholic Sexual Morality. It's a response to the Pontifical Academy of Life's Theological Ethics. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria Mutual Funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria Mutual Funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Cresta in the Afternoon is underwritten by the following nonprofit organization Real Estate for Life. 
Buying or selling your home or business property? Real Estate for Life can connect you with one of 1,400 pro-life real estate agents around the world. When Real Estate for Life receives a referral fee, they donate 70% to Ave Maria Radio and Human Life International. More information at realestateforlife.org or 877-LIFE-US1. That's realestateforlife.org. Support for this Ave Maria radio program comes in part by the non-for-profit St. Anthony Services. Are you shopping for mortgage products, Catholic investing, Catholic health, real estate, or estate planning? Services.org can help you find a Catholic professional for these needs. They regularly connect faithful citizens with faith-based professionals that share our Christian values. More information at stanthonyservices.org or 877-LIFE-US1. Ave Maria School of Law is the Roman Catholic law school in the United States. Consistently ranked in the Princeton Review as one of the best and most conservative law schools, as well as pre-law's most devout law school. Ave Maria School of Law provides a traditional legal education while emphasizing how the law intersects with the Catholic intellectual tradition and natural law philosophy. Ave Maria School of Law, unabashedly Catholic, consistently excellent. For more information, visit AveMariaLaw.edu. The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. And we need to pray for all our world leaders and all those who are in such danger. See, in a day and age where people are getting further away from God, you get further away from goodness. Only God is good. you remember what our Lord said one day? Why do you call me good, he said. Only God is good. Only God. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Like the saints, do our loved ones who have gone before us still participate in the living tradition of prayer? The Catholic Catechism says they participate by the witness of their lives, the transmission of their writings, and their actual prayer right now. Witnesses in heaven contemplate God, praise Him, and constantly care for those they have left on earth. When saints enter into the joy of their master, they are put in charge of many things. The Catechism asserts that the saint's intercession is their most exalted service to God's plan. Thus, we should be asking them to intercede for us and for the entire world. Sometimes personal charisms of witnesses to God's love for mankind are passed on as the spirit of Elijah was passed on to Elisha and John the Baptist in order that their followers may have a share in their spirit. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Maybe you've been hearing a lot about the need to make a spiritual communion while participating from home in a live-streamed or broadcast Mass. Maybe you've even prayed the prayer of spiritual communion. Spiritual communion is a concept that goes all the way back to the 4th century. It flourished in the Eastern Church and gradually moved west. Spiritual communion stresses the transcendence of God, where we unite our desires, intentions, and loves with the holy sacrifice of the Mass and the consecration of the Eucharist at the altar. Jesus, I embrace you and unite myself wholly to you. And good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Let me mention something which uh, really deserves to be said just even daily. You can get all the latest Catholic news weeknights at 9 Eastern on EWTN Radio and TV. We've got EWTN News Nightly with Tracy Sable, 
covers breaking news, top stories, daily reports from the White House, Capitol Hill, and Rome. All from a Catholic perspective. And again, it's every night, 9 Eastern, EWTN Radio, and TV. I'm with Dr. Robert Festigi. We're talking about uh, an area of chronic controversy, and that has to, in the field of um, moral theology. And uh, you were saying before the break, uh, Dr. Festigi, that uh, there was one fellow who contributed to this um, conference in the at the Pontifical Academy for Life in the spring of 2022, who made the statement that nothing, there's never been anything taught infallibly on, on moral theological issues. Y- yes, it wasn't. It wasn't within the uh, theological ethics of life volume. Oh, okay. But it was an interview. And um, you know he's he's a, a major member and a, and and a, a professor there at the the John Paul II Center in Rome, but uh, I, I I was I was rather shocked when I read it and and he just said uh, that um, uh, it is a common opinion among theologians that the ecclesiastical magisterium has not spoken on moral issues in an infallible way so far. Was is that true of moral theologians born? Before 1940? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Or I mean, I, I don't. I mean, th- it doesn't reflect the moral theologians who teach at Sacred Heart Major Seminary. Right. I, could, I could say that. Right. But, but 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 to counter this, I looked at Evangelium Vitae, yeah. uh, where Saint John Paul II clearly uh, affirms. He doesn't have to define, but he confirms that the direct killing of an innocent direct abortion and euthanasia are infallible by virtue of the ordinary universal magisterium yeah. you know because these teachings are you know that that you know uh, i'll just uh, uh, re- read you what he says sure. in, in therefore by the authority which christ conferred upon peter and his successors and in communion with the bishops of the catholic church we confirm that the direct and voluntary killing of an innocent human being is always gravely immoral. This doctrine, based upon the unwritten law which man in the light of reason finds in his own heart, is reaffirmed by sacred scripture, transmitted by the tradition of the church, and taught by the ordinary and universal magisterium. And he uses a similar language with regard to direct abortion and euthanasia. Yeah. He leaves no doubt. Right. So, in other words, it's it's a it's a... A false attitude uh, idea some people have that only defined matters of faith and morals, uh, what we call de fide definita, are infallible. Yeah. That there's also this area of the ordinary universal magisterium, mm-hmm. and then also matters which uh, uh, the church has definitively taken a stand, like that women, the church has no authority to ordain women to yeah. the priesthood. Yeah. So sometimes there's debates about what is infallibly uh, taught and so on, but on these three issues, which are clearly moral, yeah, 
I don't see how anyone could even raise the question. So I don't know who these majority, the, the grand part, uh, you know, the grand parte uh, theologians that he talks about. Right. Maybe, maybe he's in touch with them, but I, 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 I don't think it's, it reflects Africa, you know, or the Philippines. I, I, you know, <laughs> but I'm just going by what I know John Paul II said. Sure. So there are, in, this is, and it's there in Veritatis Splendor, number 80, and, and where he gives a, uh, like a list of intrinsically evil or uh, immoral acts. Yeah. And of course, he cites also Gaudium et Spes 27. So this is, a, this is I think, a false attitude uh, that is being around, that the, the church has not made any infallible judgments. Yeah. Now, it... it and then that that opens the door to dissent. People say, well, maybe the church can mature by responsible dissent and come to question some of these yeah. teachings yeah. and so on. And we were talking during the break about John Noonan, yes. this great uh, jurist and, and legal scholar, and he favored a change in church teaching on contraception. Right. But in his book, he had the honesty to admit that there was a unanimous tradition <laughs> that no one, no church father ever supported yeah. contraception. Yeah. And, and, and so this, uh, this he admitted, but then he thought, well, now the circumstances and science have changed and the church could change too. Yeah. You know, this, yeah. this same argument now is being used regarding homosexual acts. Yes, that, that we've th- learned something new about uh, the development of uh, our psychosexual development. I mean, and, uh, and so that changes what the norms would be. No, you, you see, the, the the norms cannot change. I mean, he, 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 what could change is maybe a pastoral approach to dealing with people right. who have these uh, these problems. And as you know, Archbishop Vigneron has just come out with a pastoral letter. Yeah, I, I quoted uh, from it earlier today. Yeah, yeah <laughs> yes, and and so you can't change the moral norms, but how do we approach people who are afflicted with these temptations or the gender confusion. So that's more of a pastoral issue, you know, know, how should the church deal with people dealing with this? And, you know, know, he has a one line that we just don't want to throw truth bombs at them, you know, and and, and, uh, that could be abused. But I think what he means is we just can't, these are people who are wounded, confused, and if you just rattle off what the catechism says, yeah. or they're not going to listen. Right. So we have to accompany them. This is what Pope Francis sure. is trying to stress. But this is theological ambiguity, or I think a mistake on the part of Father Quixote. He might be sincere, right. and he might actually say this seems to be the general consensus. But you know, there's also some people, even on the right, who say, "Well, you know, the, the the only infallible statements are what we have to follow." So every time the Pope comes out with a statement, we could challenge it. Right. So, right. so it comes from the left. It was more prominent on the 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 left in the 1970s, but right. now there's some on the right. Yeah. You know, and it, it doesn't mean we can't have difficulty or question the prudence of certain statements or even the way in which a teaching is articulated. That's right. All of this is there in the ecclesial vocation of the theologian. But if you have difficulties, you want to try to communicate them with an with a desire to overcome them. That's right. That's you, know, right. You, you know, but but I think this 
I hope this book, which has some wonderful chapters on conscience, yeah. Matthew Levering deals with that. And, and of course, that was the big buzzword word in the 1970s, and it continued, well, in my conscience, I cannot abide yeah. by this. Yeah. And so conscience, yes, we have to follow our conscience, but it has to be properly formed. Yes. Yes. And, and you know, conscience doesn't create the moral norm. Conscience perceives the, 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 the moral norm, which comes from God ultimately, yes. either yes. through the natural law, which is uh, from, uh, what, what the participation of the created intellect in the eternal law of God or right reason, or from Scripture. Uh, you know, that the natural law, what, what is taught in Scripture is reaffirmed, but some of the norms could be known by Scripture, like St. Paul says in Romans 2, 14 through 15. What could be known uh, 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 of the law is evident to them. Yes. The, 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 the demands of the law are written in the heart. In their hearts, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I've been speaking too much. Uh, uh, no, I, I, love, I love listening to you. I love learning from you. Uh, uh, I'll ask a question, which I know has been brought up by listeners in the past, and that is, what has happened at the John Paul II Institute? Yeah, well, there was a there was a rearrangement, and some very good people were let go. Yeah, but I I think it was this attitude: uh, we want the social sciences, we want more involved and a, a more dialogical approach. Uh, to it, and not just be intra-Catholic. Yeah. So this is yeah. a benevolent understanding. They wanted to expand yeah. the outreach for it, but there was some, you know, well, we we benefited at Sacred Heart Major Seminary because we now have Oana Gotzia, who taught for ten years there <laughs> at the John Paul II Institute, <laughs> and so some people question whether or not it, it is really reflecting the. The theology, the moral theology of John Paul yeah. II. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe there, there have some like uh, Stefan uh, Kompanski, I think is his name, Kompanski. Uh, he he would reflect that, uh, and and he co-authored an article with Cardinal Müller, uh, you know, okay. raising some of these questions. Kompanski, I think, would be, yeah. but he's he's actually German, though the name sounds somewhat Slavic, but he. He's very good, and he's still there. So yeah. I, I think we have to avoid generalizations. But what happened? I, you know, I I hold off judgment. Yeah. You know, when Fair I, don't, I don't know the, all the details, and I just know it was a kind of a, a desire to expand it. For I mean, example, there's, no, there's yeah. nothing wrong with learning what we can from the social sciences. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's we certainly want. Yes. And I know uh, Marianne Glendon. Uh, it, Headed up uh, a committee in the social sciences under yeah, Pope Francis yeah, for a yeah, while yeah. to see if uh, there was um, ways of uh, interfacing, uh, because we want to be able to speak to yeah. uh, the social sciences as well as learn from. Yeah, no, that's right. But we we don't. The social sciences aren't the foundation. No, for our that, doctrine. That's right. We have. You know, it's one one thing to learn from them, but it's not the source of moral norms. Right. And, and social sciences today are often operating uh, with uh, anthropological and philosophical uh, positions that are dubious, if not uh, heretical. That is right. You know, you know, and you know, I'm a member of the Pontifical Marian Academy, and Pope Francis has 
given some direction. He wanted a, like a subcommittee dealing with the abuse of Mary by the mafia or different mafias. Oh. Huh. And then he he wanted a, a dialogue group with Muslims on Mary, on Mary. because yeah. she's the most prominent woman in the Quran. That's right. So these are some sometimes good can come sure. out of this. Sure. And 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 so that's important, but you, you, you know there's there's a need to reaffirm and study more deeply the wisdom of the church that you know Yomani Vitae was reaffirmed the traditional teaching and the the uh, two ends or meanings of the marital act, the unitive and the procreative, but some people were not persuaded. Yeah. And I remember yeah. Father Herrings, I asked him why uh, why these bishop conferences uh, you know, had trouble with it. But if they had trouble with it, why did Pope, Fr- Pope Paul VI be so insistent? And he said, oh, it was his neo-scholastic background. You know, he wasn't. Uh, and he said he was a very good man. I, you know, they, they. So, so, but, but, but then John Paul II, who had a background in personalism, in yeah. phenomenology, really with those Wednesday audiences, which constitute the theology of the body. Yeah. he went into this very deeply. Right, and right. he really, and he, this was something that he was very concerned with, even as a young priest. You know, with. Uh, um, uh, uh, talking about the nature of the marital act yeah, yeah. and counseling young people. And you know, it was at the time of... The uh, m- music's coming up okay. under us. We're done. We're out of time. I would love to spend more time with you, but oh. the clock is an imperious master. No, I know. I know. <laughs> well, I hope uh, I, I, I could have, you know, I... I I picked the one essay that I thought was really outstanding. I mean, they're all outstanding, <laughs> but Michael Waldstein then says, here's a pontifical academy, and here's what the Pope says. Thanks, Robert. <laughs> so, so God bless Michael Waldstein for doing that. So I, I, I always like to be benevolent. You know? Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We get what we look for. St. Therese of Lisieux has an interesting insight on this. Once in a discussion over the possibility of avoiding purgatory, the future saint told another member of her community, Sister Maria Fabronia, that God was more father than judge. And in this discussion, debate, she finally took the liberty of saying to the other sister, if you look for the justice of God, you will get it. The soul will receive from God exactly what she desires. Are we full of wounds and anger and hurt, and do we want to inflict that on other people? Are we allowing God to heal us? If we receive his mercy, we have to show it to others. The Beatitudes are the heart of Jesus' message. Let's be transformed by them. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com. Dr. Ray Garendi. There's a simple step to raising a more grateful child. I used to say, easy Eliminate half of their material possessions. I don't say that anymore. That's ridiculous. I say 75%. They don't even miss 50. 22 stuffed animals, you go down to 11. Not exactly a hardship. Simple step to raising a more grateful child. Don't be so free with the material stuff. Research has shown more generous people, by and large, have less. You give a child less, he's more willing to share it. He also is more able to 
occupy himself with things like boxes and dirt balls and rocks, worms, stuff that doesn't cost a whole lot of anything. And good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta, thanking you for being with me. Uh, and let me remind you that the conversation I had with Dr. Robert Festigi, uh, the book is available, Humanae Vitae and Catholic Sexual Morality. Uh, that's available, it'll be in the online bookstore, and you can follow up um, in my earlier conversations with uh, Michael New about uh, what happened at CPAC, and also my conversation with Dr. Robert Waples about um, is the United States bankrupt? We'll have follow-up information for you in the Cresta Guest Archives. So if you go to AveMariaRadio.net, uh, just go in the upper right-hand corner and hit uh, my face, and that'll take you into the uh, Cresta Guest Archives. And I'll mention once again, because I think it's important, Saturday, 8.15 in the morning at Father Gabriel Richard High School. Male and female, he created them. Responder to gender dysphoria and truth and Presta charity. in the afternoon is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. To follow up on any of the guests or information presented on today's program, visit the Cresta Guest Archive at AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-M-A-R-I-A Radio.net. To listen to this or any other edition of Cresta in the Afternoon, visit the audio archives at AveMariaRadio.net. Or to order a CD of the program, call 734-930-4506 or email orders at AveMariaRadio.net. That's 734-930-4506 or orders at AveMariaRadio.net.